Have you ever seen an angry goat talking about the troubles in the world? Well, I never have, and you probably never will, but we're called the Angry Goat Variety Show. Oh. And that was our tame, or usually silent, sound guy with some weird song that he wrote to make money. <laughs> yep, that's going to be a big seller, I can tell. <laughs> There's money involved. <laughs> Somehow he got the ball gag out of his mouth and got to write, uh, got to write a song and sing it. Uh, you're too cheap to pay an actual musician to write a theme song. I so we got someone who wasn't a musician. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Look, you know, get back in the dungeon, damn it. From our studio, twenty thousand leagues under the sea, it's the Angry Goat Variety Show. Hooray! I'm joined by the waking kraken, Tom P. Wait, hello there. And I'm Jay, the Angry Goat. Bam! My hello there, just, uh, that was what I imagine like the smoothest kraken is going to sound like, you know. Smoothest kraken, yeah, but usually when you wake one up, it's more sort of... <laughs> well, yeah, there is that too, that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. bubbling from underneath yeah, the ocean. Yeah, yeah. Flailing, yeah. flailing of tentacles and, and pirates being eaten. But I think that's just a bit of a rude kind of... Um, well, it's a, it's a stereotype, um, you know, angry this krakens can this actually be quite smooth and charming. <laughs> Um, now the the pirate thing that I mentioned earlier, all pirates must be sort of turning in their grave a bit, and certainly plenty of alcoholics are. Oh yeah, I mean look, pirates are well known generally to be drunk. Absolutely, I absolutely. Mean, I don't know if like the Somalian pirates you're looking at are going to be quite so uh, uh, drunk or just you know desperate for money. Disorganised maybe, but yeah, yeah, certainly desperate for money. Yeah. Mm. Um, but in any case, we, we actually kick off the show with a bit of a sombre note, unfortunately. Oh, it's painful. I'm, I'm gutted. Several, several frat, boy, uh, frat boy parties the world over absolutely horrified to know that the inventor of cask wine died today. That's the sound of me shedding a tear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's astonishing. Um, uh, what surprises me is that he actually made it to 92 years old. <laughs> the inventor yeah. of cask wine yeah, exactly. lived that long. Uh, well, he made it to 92. We have no idea if he's lived it. You know, but, yeah, Thomas Anger um, kicked off at the age of 92, having invented a box of wine in the 60s. And I mean, it, it really does play into that, you know, have I ever told you kids about the 60s and if you can remember it, you weren't there sort of routine? Because my guess is Ango couldn't, because, well, let's face it, he started making wine in four-litre bags. That's... Well, I think it's a brilliant idea. I think it's wonderful. You know, he did actually practice quite a bit first. He tried actually just pretty much using a plastic bag inside the box first. Yeah. Realised that uh, there was going to be some leakage problems and their air could get in. Yeah, yeah, and that, that once air gets in, wine turns to vinegar. It's not that good anymore. Pretty much, pretty much. Although, you know, if you ask the average alcoholic, it's probably the best batch that they've had in years. I mean, I've met alcoholics who, who swear that the best drink that they ever start their morning off with is um, vinegar. Uh, no, it's more along the lines of uh, metho and orange juice. Wow. You know, that, that, that's the thing. They can't afford to buy decent booze, but they can actually afford to buy orange juice to go with their methods. Um, well, it's an interesting know, move, yeah. You've got to make sure that you're getting the vitamin C, because, you know, God knows, it's not going to be the alcoholism that's going to finish you off. It's no, going to no, be no. scurvy. Personally, they should be throwing Barocca into their <laughs> method, I, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, uh, uh, what, what's the multivitamin that um, Robert De Costello used to advertise? Is that, would that be Centrum? That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, a bunch so, of brand names here. Yeah, a, a couple of Centrums and your methyl and orange juice and you're set for the morning. <laughs> It'll be a fun morning filled with you collecting bottles out of bins and, and wheeling a shopping cart around the place. It's just so much classier than like beer on your cornflakes, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not much classier. Yeah, yeah. Oh dear. And I mean, you know, drunks are always hilarious, and they do get a special day. They do. They do. And when they get, there's a few days in which it's okay to be um, incredibly drunk. Drunk off your ass. But there's one very famous one. There is. There is. And that's St. Patrick's Day. St. Patty's. Now we didn't cover this in the last show, unfortunately, because we ran out of time. Hmm. But St. Patrick's Day this year, just gone, has kicked off with a bit of a bang. Let's <laughs> see, yeah, yeah, literally, yeah, yeah, you're telling the truth. We're, we're jumping across to America again for one of the best stories that I've heard in weeks. I have some of the best stories. The cops literally shot a leprechaun in the face this year. <laughs> he was a cheeky leprechaun. And I think he was trying to steal gold. Exactly, exactly. The, the story runs along the lines of this. Uh, cops got called to a bank that was being held up by a bunch of dudes in costume, including one who was dressed as a leprechaun, for fuck's sake. <laughs> On St. Patrick's Day. On Wait, Patrick's that's probably Day. the best way to blend in with a crowd uh, after that. Absolutely, so. absolutely. You're drunk off your ass, you're wearing green, you've got something to do with a shamrock, and you're wielding a gun. Brilliant. <laughs> you know, you'll fit right into the, to the standard US crowd. Um... And so, you know, said Leprechaun and his mates, they then stole the car, which they crashed four blocks later. Who would have thought that a bunch of drunk people dressed as Leprechauns <laughs> could have crashed a car? You know. Um, cops cornered them, the, the Leprechauns bailed out of the car and started shooting at the cops, because that's just the best idea after you've crashed a car <laughs> and robbed a bank. To which the cops returned fire. One dude ran away, one dude was injured, and yeah, the... the the guy dressed as the leprechaun carrying the Mac-10 got shot in the face, you know. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if you see a rainbow, be careful. They might be packing heat. <laughs> That's it. I mean, look, okay. This is not the not the greatest thing. You kind of got to feel sorry for the leprechaun. It was St. Patrick's Day. He probably thought he was invincible. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, certainly the, the standard routine of, of drunks is that they are 10 foot tall and bulletproof. <laughs> Or at least that's the thinking behind it. So my guess is, I mean, this guy was about four foot nothing high as well. So oh, really? Uh, yeah. So the leprechaun costume was basically... Was, was, was it was valid. Fitting. Yeah. Yes. yes. Um, you know, almost tailored. So, um, yeah, you know, this poor guy... There's someone out there who tailors leprechaun costumes? Possibly on Seville Road. I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> anything possible with the right price tag associated with it. Nah. But our... our the other thing that we didn't cover last week that I really wanted to was, um, it, it's wrong to be French. <laughs> well, I don't know if I can completely agree with you on that one. <laughs> it's a somewhat broad, generalising statement there. And I've never made broad, generalising statements ever before. <laughs> no, me neither. But, you know, I've known some French people and they haven't always been sadistic torturers. Which is what I think you might. Really? Really? Yeah. Oh my god. But the, we, we had to sort of um, touch on this because it's an important, it, it's an important throwback also to the 60s. It is, it is. Um, They're linking things up left, right and centre here. Yeah. Um, 
there was a there was a, a recreation recently of the Milgram experiment. That's right. Um, the, it was a, it was actually a uh, French TV documentary. Yeah. Uh, not the Milgram experiment, but no, the French no. recreation was. Yeah. Um, in which people were in a spoof game show. They didn't know that they didn't realize. Yep. Um, the contestants did not realize that they were actually not in a real game yeah, show. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, well, basically, they were egged on by the crowd and by the, um, well, the hosts the, yeah. into administering what they thought was electric shocks to people who they thought were getting questions wrong. To, to the point where it was lethal. Mm. Or, if, or, the electric, or, or if the electric shocks lethal. had been real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, as it stood, the people who were getting the shocks were actually accidents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on being prompted, by you know, by the, uh, the the host and also by the uh, the crowd cheering. Yeah. When this person got a question wrong, which it turned out was on purpose, yeah. the other contestant would turn a knob yeah. and yeah. administer an electric shock, yeah. to which the person's I mean the the shocky got you know screamed. Yep, yep. And the, I mean the interesting thing with both this game show and Melbourne experiment shows that. The, the vast majority of people, and I mean like, you know, nine and a half out of ten or something, the, the vast majority of people will continue right through until administering the, the supposedly lethal dose of That's it, though. I mean, like, the contestants would go quiet after a while, and they would still be prompted into doing yeah. more of yeah, yeah, these yeah. fake electric yeah, shots. Yes, with the host, you know, with big toothy grin saying, hey, you got it wrong, shot the proof, you know, and they quite happily do it. The Milgram experiment was quite sort of low. Key. I mean, it's basically a, a guy behind a, a sort of a petition thing with another dude sitting in front of the machine. It didn't have big flashy lights yeah, and a screaming yeah, crowd. Yeah, yeah. Well, only only one person was screaming at a time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and for the reasons of, you know, supposedly being shot. But, I mean, it's, it's interesting the amount of times, that, particularly in criminal justice, um, you, you see, you know, people have committed the most horrific crimes. And if you're like me, you sort of think, how they get from wherever they started out in life to this point where they've just committed the worst atrocity imaginable? Well, that was actually what was, um, you know, one of the things which made the Milgram's experiment, which was, what, 1961 or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was, was um, yeah. In, uh, you know, with Yale University, that was one of the things that actually made um, it so controversial because a lot of people saw it as um, an excuse for, uh, you know, as, as an excuse for the Nazis and people who had uh, effectively, you know, said we were just following orders. Because it showed how easily people would follow orders. Um, given, I mean, unlike the Nazis. Yes, I understand the atrocities, and I understand why people would be really, really horribly upset. Well, that's fucking disgusting. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, was, it, was, it still goes down in history as one of the most horrific crimes against humanity as much ever. As I mean, well it should. We've seen, we've seen varying levels of genocide since, but not mm-hmm. to the same scale. Yeah, I mean, you know, Cambodia and Rwanda, whilst absolutely awful, yeah, they're not... Yeah. And I mean, even even um, uh, Bosnia to a point during, mm. during the during the Nuremberg trials, of course, everybody who was being tried got up and said, "Well, I was following orders." And 
the thing that most people don't understand is, you know, you, you think to yourself, well, you know, how the fuck can you follow orders to, to essentially you know, torture people to death? Mm. The answer is, if you don't, and if you don't in an army, you get shot. Well, that's it. You know, you get court-martialed, you just get yeah, shot. There, it's... there's a fair amount of incentive to, to keep going, even though you're sort of quite qualified by it. Of course, what? Know, Oh, sorry, once again, I would like to reiterate that we are not Nazi sympathizers no, in no, any no, way. No, 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 I mean, what they did, what they did defies description. And whenever I have read up on them, out of, out of sheer curiosity, because, no, I didn't grow up there in a time. You know, the, the stories and the images and so on are, are just horrifically shocking. Mm. You know, blood curtains, absolutely right. And so, no, I'm, I'm not suggesting by any means that, oh, well, you know, it's, it's all in good fun or whatever. Um, but I am trying to make a point that your standard guy who's, I mean, not, not the guys who ordered this stuff, but your standard guy who's part of the military, if you didn't do it, then all it meant was that somebody else would take your place while... You know, one of the officers pulled out his gun and shot you in the face. Mm -hmm. That was pretty much the end of it. And the fact that the Milgram's experiment, well, okay, the, uh, I think the initial one had about a 60% success rate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, you know, yeah, people yeah, would go through to the end. Yeah. The French uh, update version with the TV and all that, it was closer to, it was about 80%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the which is quite scary. It's um, because you like to think that, okay, if I was put in this situation, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, as much as, um, you know, critics have suggested that I don't have any knowledge, mm. you know, I'd like to think that I am, like, quite morally bound, and that I wouldn't. You've got your own set of morals, but, uh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, 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 and sometimes there's a convenience, but, um, but I'd like to think that I wouldn't, and yet, Milgram's experiment, one most recently done, shows that I probably would, and so pretty much anyone, mm. you know, you, you could get a new one up there, you know, who's, who's, you know, religiously bound, who would most likely go right through the end and, and quite happily, you know, catch all the shots for the person who Well, that's it. I mean, you've got to, <coughs> you've got to wonder, basically, if violence is inherent in, in, inherent in uh, human um, in human nature to a degree, or at least yeah, a willingness yeah. willingness to commit it. Well, if you look at if you look at any technology that's around today, all of that stuff started out in a battlefield application before consumers got their hands on the wall. Mm -hmm. So you, you you think like the little uh, handheld Pokemon video games? Yeah, 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 pretty much. Well, certainly. I mean, <laughs> the technology that that led to it. I agree. That, that led to it. Yeah, but so, I mean, certainly things like mobile phones. Mm. Mobile phones. In, in their, their format now and the way in which they work was used predominantly on the battlefield long before any civilian application was even And I mean, well, all of the medicine is based on combat All of them. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I see that, but do you think that this is a, it's an element of human nature to conform in that sense? Absolutely, absolutely. You look at even simple things like this. Oh, yep. You know, um, how many parties have I been to recently where I've seen pretty much every guy wearing a pair of dark jeans and a 
shirt with a collar and stripes on it. Uh, you must be going to the wrong party. But I know what you, you mean. Know, yeah. I mean, the, the whole the whole point of, of um, why do we want an iPod so much? Clothing like, trends, yeah, yeah, yeah. technology trends, and so I mean, based on people's desire to conform. You know, and so yeah, the, the Milgram's experiment shows a, a very nasty side effect. I think so. And like technology, uh, I think you know, basically that is still getting uh, continuously built upon. Yeah, and yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and I. Last week we, we touched a lot on the, the American military mm. and just how fucking random they are about um, Saw an article this week about uh, the, the the US military is quite concerned that Iran is now making those, uh, those drones that essentially fly around blow the shit out of everything. Which are unmanned. They, yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, the Americans, remote control planes effectively which drop bombs on people. Pretty much, pretty much. And the Americans have been using them to massive effect for quite some time. Mm. It was interesting that, yeah, the, the, the comment was that they were concerned that, that the Iranians would sell them to anyone and that they might actually use them. And I'm thinking that, 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 that's uh, rather hypocritical. Well, I mean, if nothing else, the Americans are still the only people who have ever used the bomb against anyone. That's, well, that's completely right. And uh, I think that really shows through in, well, probably in, in our thoughts and uh, just in the way that we, uh, as being of a certain generation, grew up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, you and I were both of that generation where we grew up through the tail end of the cold. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, okay, technically there was a daytime, but that did not stop the arms race no, and um, no. massive propaganda wars well, that I were mean, there. The, the, I remember when I was a kid and you had rock stars and, and music and everything else, and this is why I suggest that the, the current war on terror is very much like the new culture, <coughs> um, where everything was anti-Russian. Mm. You know, that we didn't know them, we didn't want to know them, you know, all we knew was that they had a different political system and that they had, you know, that they were, I mean, we, we sort of moved away from, during the 50s, they were pretty much denounced as baby eaters. Yeah. You know, um, whereas by the time I was born and sort of growing up throughout the, the latter stages of the Cold War, it was just, well, you know, they're not in the West and therefore we don't want anything to do with them. Um, but yeah, there was this really sort of interesting hysteria that was, you know, effectively Russians were a completely different race of people. Well, that's it. It, it created this hysteria. I mean, okay, I was personally brought up in um, a rather politically active family. Yep. Um, you know, they were actually political activists. Right. <laughs> um, yep, yep. Well, yeah. That's about as politically active as you can get. So, yeah, there, there was that fear, maybe not so much of the Russians, but of the bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and just the possibility of annihilation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my, my parents, they have a shed at their place. Mm. But, the construction of which is just hilarious. The, the, the guy who built the house originally, he got um, sheets of metal and uh, the, the insides of queen-sized mattresses and star pickets, right? Okay, and this was the, the, the bomb shelter? Well, that was the running gag in the family, was that because he'd basically poured concrete over all this crap, if, if the bomb was ever dropped, we'd all hide out in there because we'd be <laughs> fucking fine. 
Yeah, it's, it's of the stop, drop, and roll. If yeah, you know, yeah, if yeah, nuclear duck and cover, cover, duck and yeah, cover kind of thing. But I mean, you've got to remember during the Cold War, people literally went to a store and bought a bomb shelter, mm. which they then had installed in their house. That's it. It's uh, yeah, it, it's crazy, and you know, so there's still a whole lot of those bomb shelters out yeah, there. Yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, you, you tell that to kids now, and they think you're fucking mad. But I mean. You know, I I was uh, in my really early late sort of tweens, early teens. By the time Ronald Reagan went on the scene mm, mm. and effectively shut down the Iron Curtain through the, the arms race that was just impossible for the Russians to keep up with. That's it. You know, uh, people kind of credit uh, Reagan to a degree with ending the Cold War. But, um, that's only through being a militaristic son of a bitch. Well, yeah, I mean, exactly. It's interesting that history looks at Reagan for, for oh, well, it was all through negotiation, and he was the first one that really spoke to um, Gorbachev. Yeah, but it's not like Gorbachev wasn't doing a whole lot of stuff out there, too. Yeah, I, oh, totally. You know, Perestroika, last night? Yeah, oh, and Gorbachev, bless his cotton socks, pretty much knew that he was at the tail end of it anyway. Mm. I mean, he, I'm sure he looked at the books and just sort of, holy fuck, we've got no money left. You know, whereas, I mean, Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan pretty much, it was his, de- his defence budget that pretty much started the entire recession at the end of the 80s. Mm. That was one of the largest recessions that we've seen ever, and it certainly beat the hell out of the global economic crisis. Um, but that's because Ronald Reagan was spending... I think it was three trillion dollars a year on defense. That's it. It's, you know, it's, it made me sad as a child that I had to like know the difference between Star Wars and Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to go out and get some Star Wars yeah. figures, but then I was hearing that uh, Star Wars was bad because yeah, one, of the one, uh, SDI. One, one the, had a Wookiee and an asthmatic, <laughs> and the other one. The other one wasn't that in the much sky. fun at all. Yeah, yes. yeah. The, the other one was, was possible impending doom for the entire human race. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, the Cold War... It was mad, if you will. Well, so, yeah. Mutual uh, destruction. Uh, I know, like, the, the terrible pun. But, yeah. um, and that's not to say that the Russians didn't come up with a whole range of weapons that were just as horrific. Oh, of course. Um, Khrushchev. Yep. Uh... Khrushchev very closely approved a plan to build a bomb in an old oil tanker that was going to essentially put around the, the Russian coast. Because back in the 60s, mm. when the Cold War was very much on, and you know the East and the West did not talk to each other in any capacity, yeah. um, it was seen as being a last line of defence to make Russia... Russia, so that if the West ever invaded, they would use this bomb. Now, this bomb was designed to be so fucking powerful, it would have vaporised the ocean that it was sitting in. So, you can see where this leads to, like, this mentality of terror that we've um, we've had here, which um, I think, personally, probably uh, aided my love uh, if you will, of um, zombie movies, or yeah, you know, yeah. the, the, that last man on earth thing, is yeah, a weird yeah. fascination that I have with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I guess it, it is about the end of the world, and if you've been like told that that's coming so yeah, frequently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, 
we, we didn't grow up in it, but the, the Bay of Pigs. Mm. The Bay of Pigs was the closest this planet has ever come to total fucking annihilation within the blink of an eye. Mm. You know, um, uh, for, for our younger listeners who have no idea what we're talking about, the Bay of Pigs effectively, um, well, it was it was it was supposedly missile silos that were being set up in Cuba. The yeah, yep, the, the Soviets were kind of uh, setting up in Cuba, which would obviously have uh, Cuba being so close to the United States. Well, it's ninety miles from, the, from, from the Miami, US, so yeah. hundred and hundred and sixty something k's or something. Mm. In a in a time where intercontinental ballistic missiles were certainly possible, so you're you're looking at a at a a structure of land that's capable of reaching targets within the entire US. Mm. Um, and yeah, like the, the Americans were really close to just saying fuck it and pushing the button and seeing what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and yes, the, the mutually assured destruction thing kicks in where had they done that for Christ's sake, the Russians would have done the same. Game over. Yep. You know, not a fucking thing lives. That's it. Um, so yeah, yeah, that, that's uh, like, like I said, that, that that really I think put us in that mind state where we yeah, do, yeah, yeah. where we, you know, that sense of impending doom. Um, you know, it had to come out some way. Um, it had to kind of come out that way. And you know, okay, it's a bit of a <laughs> bit of a tenuous leap, but I want to I want to talk about um, zombie movies as being one of my <laughs> yeah, pet yeah, things. Fair enough, fair enough. But uh, yeah, I was actually just quite interested in. Um, well, basically, in the racial politics of zombie movies. Yep. Uh, so once again, it's a bit of a leap. Yep. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the racial politics of zombie movies, because one of the products of this Cold War fear was um, George Romero's Night of the Living Dead, which came out in, I think, 1968. Yeah, yep, yep. And uh, yeah, it kind of actually was one of the first films to have a black protagonist that was actually there, you know, and was an intelligent man, he wasn't uh, an other, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he yeah, was yeah. the hero of the piece. And it's, I mean, it's, it's an interesting point in film in general, because up until then, any black cast members were, were either played by white guys in, in makeup, mm-hmm. or they were there very much as a token and they got killed off within the first couple of scenes of the movie. Which, you know, still does happen in a lot of horror oh, yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a stereotype of the black guy in the horror movie oh, he knows and, he's going down. And my know. personal favourite with the with the slasher films that have come out of recent is that if you see an attractive girl, she's going to be dead by the end of the film. Guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Unless she doesn't have sex. Remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. If she gets her tits out or has sex, then she's a dead bitch. It's that simple. <laughs> That's it. But, yeah, like... It, it was, yeah, it was a really interesting point in film. Well, that's it. It was like, it was 1968, so the civil rights movement was coming along yeah. um, in a big way. Okay, the film was also a commentary, if you will, on um, on Vietnam yes. and uh, how unpopular that was. Yeah. But the thing is, Romero, whether you want to believe him or not, has said that he didn't actually write, um, you know, the character of Ben yeah. um, for a black man. He just chose the best actor for the job. Yep. Yeah. Uh, if he did, that was still pretty amazing in itself. Yeah, totally. But, the, I mean, you know, if he didn't, it was making a really interesting point. Yeah. Um, because the white people in that film are generally all losing their shit, going crazy, yeah. freaking out, and not really knowing what to do. Yeah. He's the guy 
who yeah. maintains his calm through that. Yeah. And I don't want to ruin the film for you if you people haven't seen it. But I'm going to. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert if you spoiler haven't alert, seen it. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, basically, he survives the zombie apocalypse only to be shot down by a white redneck. Yeah. Basically, uh, they, they see him automatically, bam, yep. he's gone. Yeah. Yep. Which is one of the, actually, despite all the gore and everything else, as particularly for that time, that was one of the most shocking points in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that, because, you know, you've grown to love this guy, and I think it was really poignant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, if you mean, okay, there were zombie movies out beforehand, but they were generally, uh, like, like uh, white zombie in the 30s. I mean, and and, and they, they, have, have, they have a sort of a camp interest now, but, my God, they were... They were well, that's it. It was, you know, based on like uh, the Haitian kind of voodoo um, yeah, aspect yeah, yeah, of yeah. bringing that back. But, you know, through that, once again, the black characters were always either, you know, symbols of uh, comic relief or they were symbols of like mystique and uh, dangerousness yeah, yeah, or yeah, danger. Yeah, 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 yeah. Effectively making them an, an other the whole time, not a whole rounded human being. Yeah, and nine times out of ten, it was funny, like in, in the earlier zombie films. Uh, you, you had the white heroes, and, and you know they were taking on the they were taking on the um, they were taking on the sort of you know, the zombies and killing everything that moved. Mm. And then as soon as the black guy showed up, they were just like, "Holy fuck! Now we've got another enemy to fight." And it's, uh, yeah. Or, or yeah, they were just <clears> like, you know, you stay out here and distract them while we escape. Uh, yeah. That's it. It was yeah, bit wrong. I guess if you want to move to a degree from uh, one marginalised group uh, to another there's uh, homosexuality once again has had a bit of, bit of a rough time in the US well I mean it's, it's interesting we were chatting recently well just a second ago about the 80s and of course the 80s was when AIDS came mm. and I remember very distinctly I mean yes I still remember the, the AIDS uh, ads on Australian television with the uh, Grim Reapers bowling yeah, yeah, over yeah, families yeah yeah yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. But of course, I also remember the criticism from the, the then sort of rednecks saying it's a disease for gays. As soon as it fucks them off, the world will be a much happier place. Which is just yeah. yeah. Is, what do you say to that? Well, yeah. you, know, you don't say a lot to that other than who the fuck asked you and, and you know how soon until we can have you killed. Mm. Mm. But it's interesting that while we've accepted to a point. While we've accepted sort of older homosexuals, as in adult homosexuals, mm. there's still this complete misnomer that you, you go through your entire life, and as soon as you hit 18 or whatever, BAM, you're gay. Exactly, um, it's not like you're born gay or anything yeah, like yeah. that. No, 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 because no. I mean, there are still fuckwits out there that believe it's a personal choice. I know, and um, you walk me as that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Other than, you know, you sort of give them that look like they're from a different planet and you think, that they are. Yeah, you don't talk to them anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But there was the, the case recently in the States. Yep, yep. It was in uh, Mississippi. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Where uh, officials at a small high school, rural Mississippi, yeah. they cancelled the school prom because uh, basically they wouldn't let a lesbian teenager, lesbian student, yep. bring her girlfriend to the prom. Um, they started to make uh, you know one or two little concessions like one of you has to wear a tuxedo or something yeah, you know yeah, something yeah, like that yeah. which is just like okay that's just so stupid and bullshit but basically instead 
and there was all this media attention about it. So they cancelled the prom instead of actually changing what they could do with that. Instead of trying to actually find... And I mean, it got to the point where the parents basically came in and, like, the the parents of sort of rational people throughout the school sort of came in and said, well, fuck it, we're just going to create our own prom where pretty much anyone's welcome and the school can go get fucked with theirs. Yeah, exactly. It's, um... Uh, And, I mean... Yeah, it's, it's an interesting hysteria because, you know, there's, yes, there's the whole argument about gay marriage and that's still going on and it's still very much alive in the States, particularly where, I mean, let's face it, if, if you're a straight couple, you can get married to anyone, mm. you know, pretty much anyone, like, you know, they're a drive-through marriage. <laughs> yeah, which is always a good idea. Just like impulse purchase. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Vegas, <laughs> Vegas. You know, you have the shrimp cocktail. You get drunk off your ass. You go and see Barry Manilow. You gamble your life savings, and then you, you get, get married, married by Elvis. By Elvis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, at, at least. I mean, if, if nothing else has come out, at least a whole lot of international attention has come out about this, yeah. and gay groups have um, ended up making making this uh, this girl. Uh, you know, a, or a figurehead, a symbol, um, which I don't know whether she wants to be or not. She might just want to be, go around being a teen. But by the same token, it needs that attention. There was I a think. guy, uh, it's interesting that you mentioned whether or not she wanted to be. There was a guy at one of, the, one of my previous employers mm. um, who really obviously, well, he did. I mean, he was known as a girl's name, so he'd gone through the office. Yeah. And, and yeah, all the whole thing was closing and stuff. And uh, you know, unfortunately, this stuff isn't perfect, so it's, it's fairly obvious that he had a She now, yeah. Had, had, had one point down And at the time, I was doing sort of a pseudo team leader role, and I do remember sort of saying to her, so if anyone in this space gives you a hard time, I'm sure they'll let me because we won't tolerate it's just yeah, it's just not cool. Yeah, like it's not and I remember, I remember two. Well, I remember three things. I remember my boss saying, you know, "For Christ's sake, don't say anything," because he was just terrified of being in a suit. I remember thinking, "Should I fucking have to say anything about this?" And then having to remind myself, "Yes, I probably do." Unfortunately, right. yes. Because already by that point, I'd had a couple of staff members sort of work up, and, you know, with a bit of cheesy bullshit ground to, is, is that a head sheet? You're insane. Like, you're in a place of business. You're a fucking product. That's it. Um, <laughs> but I, I remember saying to her, you know, you know, blah, 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 you shouldn't have to put up with any of this crap. And she swung around to me and, and said, oh, well, you know, I don't mind, and... And, you know, I've, I've always found that people are more sort of curious and once they break down barriers and they're all, they're all cool with it. Mm. And I remember saying to her, okay, well, if you're, if you're happy with that, but if there's anything major or people won't leave you alone, and then as I was walking around, I was thinking, but she shouldn't fucking have No. Like, she should be able to come to work, do a job, do it well, because she always did, mm. and then go home. Because yeah. that's what it is to be employed. Yeah, basically, you know, having a job and having to work sucks enough anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> you know. you know, let's face it, the only reason why you're doing it is for money so that you can do other things. You and don't need to be faced by this bullshit, though. Mm-hmm. But the fact that she had 
had through necessity had to become a sort of a spokesperson and such. And yeah, okay, she didn't mind. But yeah, it, it does make the question of it's the sort of which came first, the chicken or the egg thing. Mm. You know, was she actively sort of you know, out there about it to begin with? And my guess is probably fucking not. She had to be through necessity, otherwise people would be sort of staring at her. And uh, when you do kind of call people out on bullshit like that, often it basically leads to people, um, you know, saying, oh, you're just being so politically correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, I mean... And, be, and, you know, political correct, uh, correctness. Correction. Correct, <laughs> correctness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to correct one, me on that one? one. Yeah. Um, you know, that is used by both sides of the yeah, spectrum, right, of your yeah. left and your right. They both use it to get away with either you know, bullshit, or just not, you know, wanting to talk about things. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I remember last week we touched on sort of, you know, I, I made a couple of comments, and I'm still writing about it, mm. uh, about, you know, incorrect, uh, in, incorrect use of, of political correctness. Um, the, the, the story that we did last week was a woman who wanted to gain weight. Yeah. You know. Um, on that note, I've just got to say she's had death threats now. It wasn't me. <laughs> I'm telling you that. But um, that's been updated. She's had death threats. And I just think, well, she's going to kill herself. Well, anyway, you know. overworked workers at Taco Bell. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Um, just, just Laughing make, at death threats is always fun, isn't it? Just to make sure that I get some more. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, political correctness go way too far with it mm. you know uh, short people the world over they're not vertically challenged they're short it's a biological thing I understand that but mm. they're short they're not vertically challenged a challenge is something that you can strive to achieve mm-hmm. if you're short you can't right absolutely by the same token though I remember in a previous workplace um, there were black people working there but not at our table and someone some absolute cop some asshole yeah. at my desk um, would just, just you know casually drop the n-bomb um, yeah, you know and he wasn't yeah. saying it about anyone in particular he was saying it about what? music or whatever and I'm like yeah. dude what the fuck yeah, and then yeah. I started getting accused of being overly sensitive with yeah, political correctness yeah, there yeah, yeah. and that is not cool no, that's, that's you know there are certain things which are unacceptable the but I then some people just you know hide behind that idea of political yeah, correctness yeah, it's, and... It's like a shield. The, the way I figure about political re- correctness and, and the, the line that should be drawn with it, if, it, if it's a way of you getting out of social responsibility or personal responsibility, then you shouldn't fucking touch it with a pole. Mm. If it's a way for you to actually make sure that other people can coexist because, fuck, you have every right to, and so does everyone else, mm then you should be employing it at every possible opportunity. I agree. And it's, it's, you know, for me, it's that simple. Yeah. But, it, it's, um, when we were talking a second ago about AIDS and, and you know, the, the hysteria that AIDS caused, which has now largely been forgotten, damn it. Well, to a degree. I mean, which actually, I've got to say, is um, pretty dangerous because a lot of people are out there not using protection anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And go to places like Africa where the entire country is pretty much fucked. The whole country of Africa? Is that... Is that... Well... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So various countries in Africa, yes. The, the continent of Africa. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just being a pedantic folk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and anyway... Um, the, you know, various nations within Africa are absolutely 
destroyed by the epidemic of AIDS. Mm. Um, and, and of course, unfortunately, it's the poorest people who can't afford it who are getting screwed over the most. Yep, unfortunately, that's the way it is. Um, but I, I did, on oh, a much lighter note, I did have to giggle throughout the week when we've had SARS and mm. now we've got swine flu. Mm. And it's we've back. Had, we've had the first confirmed case of swine flu this week. Well, for the uh, for, for, for the, the season. new season, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it, I mean, swine flu. It was basically just a bad flu. Um, for the most part, people did not really die that much. Like, okay, the elderly and the really young. Well, I've known people who had swine flu and they were fine with it. You know, it made them sick, but that was it. Throughout history, the swine flu was only really a problem before the invention of soap. Mm-hmm. And during the Jimmy Carter um, uh, administration. Administration, that's the one. Yeah. Okay. Um, th- I mean, yes, there was. I was a unaware swine... that swine flu in itself was around that early. <laughs> swine flu. There was a swine flu pandemic uh, in Spain during the 1600s. Okay. Yeah. That killed. Uh, yeah, something like seven thousand people. Right? That's it. But you know, in Spain at that time, soap wasn't used, mm-hmm. and antibiotics weren't used. Antibiotics certainly weren't used, and um, and uh, sewage was essentially thrown into the street. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for them it was very much like the plague. But the only other time that swine flu has clocked up a major amount of um, casualties yeah, 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 was during the Carter administration when Americans were so uh, uh, horrified by the possibility of this killer disease that they came up with a vaccine that was fucking lethal. <laughs> oh, no. Right? To, to where, you know, anybody who got the shot basically died. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty dodgy. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, you know, I mean, when you, when you start looking at the actual numbers, the actual flu, like the, the influenza that's mm. been around for years and no one really gives a shit. As opposed to H1N1, swine yeah, yeah, flu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Clocks up more deaths every year than swine flu and SARS combined. Mm. Which is just hilarious. And, and yes, unfortunately, it is those high high risk groups. It's it's the elderly and the very young. Mm. But the thing is, I mean, that's just leading me to think about the um, weird phobia that people seem to have about germs these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like you know, if if you watch commercials on TV, there's you know all of these. Uh, you know, oh, all the, yeah, you know, sprays and detergents to wipe down to make sure there are no germs on any surface. Yeah, so. where the woman fucking gets out the chicken leg and starts rubbing it across the bench. I mean, yeah. every time I see that, I just start screaming at the screen, you stupid fucking bitch, what are you trying to do? Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting conundrum in that by trying to protect ourselves from every fucking germ under the sun, we're not only creating super germs that are absolutely immune to any form of treatment ever... We are also creating um, kids who are basically don't have immunities towards anything. At all. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there, there's this whole conundrum of... I mean, if you, if you, look, at, um, if you look at the Great Depression, right, mm-hmm. as, as one of the worst possible uh, notions of health on a, on a global scale, yeah. people then died of malnutrition. It wasn't fucking diseases that fucked them up. And they had polio to worry about. That's it. It's look, look. I don't want to sound like an old fogey. <laughs> it's too late. Not a, yeah, too, late. Yeah, too late. 
I'm not that old. But, um, but yeah, when I was a kid, we used to go out and, you know, we would play in the garden. You know, kids would eat shit. Yeah, you know, and they'd oh, play in the dirt. I, and... I literally remember my, my there was a kid there who ate Yeah. And you know what? That kid's probably got a stronger immune system than his equivalent who's going to grow up, you know, be around him. Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at... If you look at people who, through their profession, have the strongest immune systems, it tends to be garbage collectors and doctors. Mm. Because they're, they're exposed to it all day. That's it. I mean, I, I like to think that I created my own version of, um, you know, a reasonable immunity... Uh, uh, a reasonable amount of immunity through just uh, filthy living when I first moved out of home. <laughs> I've got friends who'll attest to this that we lived like, you know, we, 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 we'll attest to it. Yes, yes, Pedro has got the ball out of his mouth. <laughs> oh, Panos, whatever. Throw him back in the dungeon, Dan. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, we did that. And then, look, I survived uh, Southeast Asia and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. without, yeah, yeah. you know, you know, living there for long periods of time without during, food poisoning. During the SARS epidemic, a friend of mine was in China working. She had SARS. She mm. up. Exactly. You know, I saw her a couple of months ago. That's it. Like, yeah, look, it's it's an interesting and then we've had the, the super germs that are coming around now are as a result of people doing things like flushing their medication down the toilet. Yeah. You know, and I mean, okay, yes, I can understand you. Oh, the kidneys get hold of your drugs, but you know, flushing in the sewage system. Either. No. Because all it does, it'll kill off a small amount of the germs there. And then they'll build up a resistance. Yeah. Because nature always finds a way. Speaking of always finding a way. <laughs> yes. Is this another tenuous link that we're going to make here? This is a really tenuous link. <laughs> um, we've, I saw an a article throughout the week of a couple of um, wooden dildos up for sale. <laughs> well, but that could be unsanitary. Not to, not to mention splinters. Yeah. Well, that, was, that was my first thought. Because, yeah, they're 200 years old. They went for 3,600 pounds. That's the, the, 30, the, like the case of the 3,600-pound dildo. Yeah. <laughs> and they were described by the auctioneer as massive. Yeah. Right, so not only do you have to be the loosest chick on the planet to actually use them, the fucking splinters. The splinters, like, I mean... Screw the... Screw the um, well, actually, no, don't. Don't screw them. <laughs> but, yeah, look, stuff the... Um, the, well, actually, no, don't do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, the, the implications with disease are there. Because, mm. I mean, they're 200 years old and they're made of, of wood. Uh, I, I'm assuming they've absorbed a fair bit of, um, uh, of fluids and the like. Oh, God. But, yeah, you know, the, the fact that, that they went for 3,600 pounds. I mean, do you think people are going to be keeping them as art? Or do you reckon it's just someone who's like, I'm so rich, I don't, I can do whatever I like. <laughs> Including, you know, use these 3,600 pound dildos. Which is, uh, that? Mean, look, that's, uh, what, about $6,000 each? Uh, yeah, Australian? Yeah, 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 about that. Yeah, yeah. But the, the woman who was the auctioneer said, oh, don't scoff. And of course, by that stage, I'm killing myself laughing fighting for breath. <laughs> but she said, don't scoff, they're a good investment. What? Look at him. Okay, so it's not shares, it's not property, it's now dildo. It's, it's wooden dildo. Uh, look, I, I think I've got to become a carpenter because, like, who knows? If wooden dildos are going to start becoming, you know, 
the new currency post, you know, the coming apocalypse that we've been talking about, <laughs> then, um, then who knows it is? But I, I, I know of at least one person on the planet who could actually use one. <laughs> okay, where is this one, lady? There was a, there's a guy in Jakarta who's now feeling very, very sorry for himself <laughs> because throughout the week he found out that his girlfriend was going to marry another man. Oh, yes. So he cut his own dick off and threw it down a well. I mean, did, did, did that bother the woman at all? Or was she just saying, I don't need it anymore? <laughs> it was interesting to note that she wasn't quoted at all. But the guy, the guy actually made it possible to live. And the, the doctors were saying he was completely like in the survive. Because, you know, As we know, a fair bit of blood can go into uh, this yeah, part of the body. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, the thing that it gets me is this poor bugger. He, well, he's not going to be doing much buggering. Well, no, exactly. But he cuts off his own willy. He gets to hospital. They they stop the bleeding. And, of course, then this massive search starts for the, for the, the way. seven Yeah. They can't find it. And he, he's not telling them it's down a well? Or no, 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 he's no, decided no. he, he wants it back now? He's down a well, but, but they can't find it. And so, uh, apparently he's quoted as being embarrassed and ashamed about it and not talking to anyone. <laughs> um, is, he, is that fucking up some of the, the drinking water people are going to be using? <laughs> oh, God. It's going to be dick water from now on? Oh, Jesus. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, mm, dick water. <laughs> Sweaty sclerosis and water. Yeah. That was cherry coke anyway. Oh, that tastes pretty much what I imagined dick water would taste like. Dr. Pepper, please. Yeah. But uh, there's, there's, been some, there's been some great stories throughout the week. The other one that I'd really like to touch on is the cop who pleaded guilty to the crappiest robbery ever. Okay. Let me know. Okay, so said cop and six of his cop buddies in the States decide that they're going to rob a perfume um, warehouse, right? Okay. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I would have, like, stolen money, but, you know. Hey, uh, you know, perfume can go for a fair bit. But the thing that got me is that they bust into the place screaming police, right? (laughs) Dressed in uniform, waving their badges and their guns, right? They then tie up the, the workers there. They get a bunch of labourers who have no idea that they're involved in a, in a robbery to start loading up trucks. Yeah. Right? And then they all fuck off. It took three hours for their fellow officers to actually start catching up with them because after the first call was made, the the, the investigating police then actually caught up with one of the labourers who, who had no idea that he'd been involved in a crime. Right, so the cops didn't just have to follow their nose. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, they found the guy in a pub. Right? It was, it was, was, was he office. smelling like perfume? No, is that what I mean? <laughs> he, was, he was described as being very well scented. Um, but yeah, so they, they find this guy in a pub who then says, Well, hang on, I was just at work. What the fuck are you talking about? And so he remembers the, the license plate of one of the trucks. The, the investigating cops then go back to the rental place and discover that the officers involved were stupid enough to use their own ID. Nice. 
That, that, totally. that, that's, that's Darwin Award if right that's there. not the dumbest fucking robbery I've ever heard. Uh, I was just thinking um, that, well, yeah, yeah, it is, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we're going to probably need to be finishing this up soon, but I was just uh, thinking about the uh, case of the Jedi in the UK who has oh, recent, yeah, recently on. fought against discrimination. The, the Jedi really felt that one, you can be guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the recent article in question is that in, in the UK in a, in a job network centre. Yeah, yeah, it was a yeah, UK job office. Yeah. This kid got tossed out because he wouldn't take off his hood to which you know I'm sure the, the, the staff working there didn't think a lot of it but then yeah the, the kids sort of kicked up and more the point the Church of the Jedi fucking came which actually him. now has quite a following it seems yeah 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 exactly and said I'm sorry what the hell do you think you're doing we're, we're an actual religious organisation mm. um, and so this, yeah basically this is uh, religious persecution <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this poor kid, he got an apology from the head of, of whatever job network thing it was. Mm. And now he's allowed to be wearing the hood pretty much wherever the fuck he wants. Nice. Just wait um, till they invent laser swords and then, like, you uh, know, where's that going to go? And I think to close off, because we're pretty much running out of time, <laughs> um... My personal favourite thing throughout the week, and it's sort of a, a real loose tie-in, goes back to the movie discussion. Mm-hmm. James Bond films? Yes. You, you've been down Of some of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, also, no, not so keen on the Roger Moore era. Really? Timothy, I mean, Timothy Dalton didn't really do it for me, either. No, no, no. No, no, no. Um, but Roger Moore did it for me... Well, actually, yeah, anyway. He still does it for you, doesn't he? <laughs> Roger Moore was a great James Bond because he was such a drunk. Like, you could just tell that he got blind off his ass offset. Oh, absolutely. Set, you know, I'm Bond. Yeah. But there was a guy in Britain as well who throughout the week made a scooter that shoots 15-foot planes out the back of the fucking thing. <laughs> Because he got tired of dudes tailgating him. <laughs> Is that, so we're just talking about like a yeah, yeah, yeah. like like you know a, a Vesper or something. <laughs> you know, and it was hilarious oh, reading God. the article because it's not like the Batmobile kind of scooters. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's along the same lines. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not stealth and it won't fucking fire guns, but it will fire flames. But it was funny reading his, his first attempt. His first attempt, which he apparently threw on a bicycle, didn't work so well. It, it basically... It, well, it, it, wouldn't, um, it wouldn't shoot flames while he was riding it. And then he decided to throw it onto the scooter, and that one just caught fire. <laughs> but the, the final one, yeah, now at the push of a button, will shoot fucking flames 15 feet out the back of it. But that's pretty cool, I've got to say, in oh, its own ludicrous yeah, way. That's, that's I, the best thing ever. I want yeah. one tomorrow. But he's unfortunately been told by cops that he cannot use it. Oh, I know. Look, I know, I know. Fuck the man. That is just not cool. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, as if you... As if you need things like power steering and fucking radios and everything else. I want flames, damn it! I want destruction. Well, I think we should send out a call to people to uh, stick, stick up for the rights of both the Jedi and the fire scooter <laughs> industry. Because, I mean, that's an industry waiting to be tapped into. Well, absolutely. The things you could shoot fire out of, it's, you know, that should have fire shooting out of them. I remember, I do remember seeing in an awesome Japanese film, once again, a kind of zombie film, a rock and roll band. Yes. Uh, they were called Guitar Wolf. Right. It was. They were. They had 
flames that would shoot out of everything. Um, the best bit I gotta say was uh, doing a guitar solo, rocking out, yelling out, rock and roll, and shooting fire out over the crowd. Awesome, awesome. That is like one of the rockingest moments ever. That's, that's fantastic. And on that note, I think we should. Ooh, Not no. quite. I'm okay. gonna slide in an animal story because it's the Angry Goat Show again. Okay. Today, I was reading a, an article about a dog that was strangled to death while it was being groomed. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's the excuse they're giving, isn't uh, it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it was a Shih Tzu, right? And well, they are kind of shit, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, get out. Yeah. Um, it was a Shih Tzu, and I had to giggle. The owner got a text message saying, sorry, he's dead. <laughs> and on that note, on that note, you've been listening to the Angry Goat Variety Show where it's cool to be part of the herd. Tom, thanks for joining me. It's my pleasure, Jay. Thanks for talking with me. No dramas. And I've been your host, Jay the Angry Goat. How much is that doggy in the window? The one with the waggly chain. How much is that doggy in the window? I do hope that doggy's for sale.